Hello, everyone. Welcome to this special edition episode of Kingdom City. This is Ross Harris. I hope you all are ready for our phone interview today. As I hope to do more of these, we will try to get as many people as we can who are doing great work for Christ and his kingdom through the medium of sports. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. All right, everyone. I am very honored to introduce our guest today. He is a great athlete, a chaplain, a former professional soccer player, loves to compete, loves to preach, loves to share the gospel with people. He is the president and founder of Impact City FC. He is an author, and most importantly, he is my brother in Christ. Welcome to Kingdom City, Mr. Aaron DeLoach. Hey, thank you, Ross. Good to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, really want to just get right into this. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Aaron. What was family like, family life like growing up for you? Yeah, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and fell in love with sports at a young age. Um, I can remember even being three, four years old and having a soccer ball at my foot. Uh, mostly it was a, a Christmas gift, right? And uh, in my parents' basement, that ball still exists, oddly oh. enough. It's never popped. It's, you know, it has no paneling on it, but um, I remember playing, running around, kicking the ball at a young age. Uh, and my parents are both Christians. That's awesome. So both former athletes themselves. And so uh, playing college tennis, running track and cross country collegiately uh, from my mom and my dad's side. And so kind of sports was just in the vein, but they were both Christians. Uh, they both put Jesus first and uh, taught us how to do that, modeled that for us. Um, but it wasn't until really 17 years old where my relationship with Jesus became my own. Hmm. And kind of 2 Corinthians 5.17 became true. The old is gone and the new has come, right? And it was an encounter with the Lord that I had at that time um, where I just felt his presence, heard his voice speak to me and say, I'm real. You need to live your life for me. And I had the foundation of the scriptures, uh, but really my life was centered around me and my identity was in sports. Right. Uh, and so that moment really shifted things for me. And uh, I've got one younger brother, wonderful, loves sports as well. Um, but that was our family growing up. It was sports and church yeah. and sports again. Right. How important was the impact of your parents in your life, not just as an athlete, but in, in terms of your faith as well? Yeah, I think on one side, they understood what it takes to compete at a high level. And so anytime I was bored when I was younger, and I'd go to my mom and say, hey, I'm bored. She would say, go out and go for a run. <laughs> nice. I mean, I, I'm in like third grade. She's like, go go for a run. Like, right. hit the street, buddy. Like, go for a run. And so I think that kind of discipline and that work ethic was always kind of there. Um, I remember moments uh, with my dad. He got this plaque that he put um, on my door frame. Like, yeah. and every night when he tucked me into bed, he would tap the plaque twice. Like, dun, dun. like uh, you picture the locker room, how they like tap the sign on right. the way out of the locker room. Right. And he got this little sign and he put it by my door and he would just double tap it every single night. Hmm. And uh, on the plaque, it said, your life is a gift from God. What you make of it is your gift to God. Wow. And, um, and so that quote has never gone away. Your life is a gift from God, right? That truth is just like cemented in my head from the time I'm really little and it didn't even mean anything to me. Uh, what you make of your life is your gift to him. Right. Right. We get to take our gifts, talents and abilities and use them for his glory and say, God, here's what I've done with what you've given me. Right. And that stewardship uh, mantra 
that I didn't know was stewardship at that point right. has just kind of carried with me for a long time. So you've got both of those elements. And then, you know, I remember as I got into middle school, you know, age in that, in that zone, um, coming down in the morning from bed, right after I woke yeah. up and seeing my parents, you know, reading, uh, the scriptures, reading a Christian book, et cetera, in the morning, kind of having that quiet time, that devotional time that so many people yeah. talk about and not really thinking much of it, but just seeing it, right. Just right. seeing it. Um, and so, yeah, both, both the influences were there, both spiritual and sports wise. That's a great um, gift. That's great a great gift to two young men, seeing their parents live that out and love it in that way. So what got you into soccer? Your parents did tennis, you said. They did cross country. What got you exactly into soccer? I know St. Louis is a big soccer city. You have the hill there with the Italian community. So tell me about that. I think soccer, in some ways, is the first sport that you can, like, put your kids in and they can kind of have success at. Right. Um, Which is why it's the world's game, why, you know, four out of ten people in the world participate in soccer at some level, which is a crazy statistic. It really is. Uh, And so they just signed me up or something because I could kind of run and I was athletic and so they signed me up um, and I started to really like it and I did other sports when I was younger but uh, baseball felt too boring I just kind of stood there you know it was like oh this this is good for me I'm an energetic little kid and I like to be in and around things and um, ended up finding ourselves uh, with a coach whose son played in the group who kind of knew what he was doing and so we just stayed with that coach like for a number of years like 10 years i had the same coach Um, that's awesome and i really looked up to him and admired him uh for what he knew about the game etc and so i remember even being in third grade and writing a book about my coach wow that's right somehow the game the game fascinated me at a young age uh and probably more just i'm hyperactive and soccer allowed me to run a lot (laughs) there's always something going on and you didn't have to stand around and wait so were you a midfielder then with all that energy you had? You nailed it. I was, <laughs> I was a midfielder and uh, kind of later in my career ended kind of on the whip, right? Gotcha. Uh, a wide midfielder or a winger. Yeah. Um, I recognize it because I played midfield myself. So I was the same way. <laughs> yeah. Lots of workload, lots of activity, yeah. you know, all the way end line to end line, box to box, et cetera. Yeah. I played, I played center mid almost my entire time. Um, I just loved, I loved being involved in, in every play. I love being involved in all the action. So it yeah. was fun. I probably had a good first touch and good vision. I tried. I tried. To, it helped being tall. I'm, I'm about six foot five. So it helped with my peripheral vision to be up that high and seeing everything. So, um, yeah, helped a lot. I enjoyed it. Um, where did you get, where did you play soccer after St. Louis? Where'd you go to school? Um, Tell, me, tell us a little about that, your playing career after college as well. Yeah, I mean, I had no intentions of, of really playing um, professionally or at the next level. I didn't really know what that was like. I didn't have a model for that necessarily, but I knew I wanted to play collegiately. Um, and I had made this thing up in my mind that I love the beach and I mm. hate the winter. Yeah. And so I decided that I'm going to go to college in Florida and play soccer, whoever gives me the best financial package kind awesome. of deal. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up at Florida Southern, um, which is in Lakeland, Florida, it's a division two school um, in the Sunshine State Conference, uh, which is the best division two conference in the country. Fantastic. And so um, playing a lot of national championship, different teams and things like that. Yeah. 
And um, some people don't know this about Division Two, but especially on the soccer side, um, you get a lot of kind of foreign players who played professionally in the academies at Newcastle or Blackburn or, or wherever um, that come over after they didn't quite make it, but they'd been in a professional academy until they're like 22, 23. They come as freshmen at 24 years old, having played professionally maybe a couple of years. Um, so, so a very interesting dynamic, um, but ended up captaining the team there. No real aspirations, but ran into the guy who was um, two years older than me, uh, was the captain of the team, and he introduced me to a professional team in second division, uh, the United Soccer League, called the Charlotte Eagles, and um, they were a faith-based organization, and so it really reinvigorated my desire to play. I almost quit playing soccer in college because um, I felt like it, it didn't matter as much as some of the spiritual things that I was doing and preaching and teaching and evangelism and discipleship and I, you know, I was starting to get really into those things and go, this matters. And soccer yeah. doesn't feel like it matters. Yeah. And God had a way of kind of redeeming that story through right. seeing people use soccer as a tool for the gospel, mm -hmm. which literally was like, not on the radar for me at all. Like, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. I never seen that before. Right. You know, this is just a kid's game. Like, how are we supposed to use this for meaningful things? Yeah. And I think, um, being introduced to that organization through that friend of mine really um, reignited a desire or an interest in the game when really I was just kind of using it to pay for school mm -hmm. is kind of what it felt like at a certain point. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you talk about the, um, the ability to uh, meet with foreign or international players playing in college. I remember I, I played in um, an NCCAA Division II school at Calvary University. And even then we were playing against people that sometimes were from like Tottenham's Youth Academy. I remember we played against the keeper from Tottenham's Academy. That guy was amazing. Yeah. Um, but it, it, what's, it, because of the reach of soccer especially, and I think hockey would be up there as well as far as international sports, but you being a Christian, you have a lot of – you have a chance to really reach – on a global level through a game like this, because it is such a broad game. No, I agree with you. And I think when we consider Matthew 28 and uh, the great commission that Jesus gave those first disciples, that then is for us as well, right? It is a co-mission that we share together with him. Uh, go into all the world, make disciples of every nation, yeah. right? Like Amen. the nation in that, in that language really means people groups, ethnic yeah. groups, you know? Um, and so the nations of the world come to us through the game of soccer. You can go out and play a pickup game in Kansas city right now. And you right. can have every tribe, every nation, every tongue represented on the field in a pickup game, you know? Um, right. And so it just gives you the ability to connect with the globe in a different way, yeah. you know? And there are a few international sports that are like that. Right. Um, Talk soccer, football is, would be the king, right? right exactly. Would be the king of sports. Yeah. In, in some ways. Exactly. I wanted to, you had mentioned about Charlotte being a faith-based club. I've never heard of that really before. Can you talk to me more about that structure or what, what that even means? Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what it meant necessarily. There was a missions organization in the nineties that realized that they could use soccer uh, for the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel. Wow. So they started an organization called Missionary Athletes International. And along the way, they acquired a professional soccer franchise in the second division. 
and um, really use that as a way to disciple players, inviting them in, um, and then being able to send them out into the world. And so, so many college coaches now have a kingdom perspective because they came to the Eagles, played, were trained, now they went back into the game as a college coach and just had a different influence or mm. um, were trained and discipled how to use soccer for ministry because there's a lot of people in places that would say, well, soccer is worldly. You can't really do that, you know, especially across Africa and different things like that. Yeah. And they just train people in sports ministry um, and they use the team to do it. And then they send people back out to whatever their context is. Wow. And so I was one of the recipients of that ministry and participants there ended up playing there um, after college, um, being involved in some of their inner city things and international things. It really gave me a vision and a picture of what God wanted to do in and through my life uh, into the future and some of what I'm currently doing now. That's incredible. Wow. What, Christian that, coaches, yeah. you know, uh, devotional times. Um, so it's structured from top to bottom, built on that yeah. foundation. That's amazing. Well, I'll have to look so into that. They've part. done a, a very good job for a very long time. Uh, in the last few years have dropped out of the professional ranks um, into more amateur status, but are still doing a really, really great job. And um, a lot of the thinking and inspiration that I had come, came from that time um, that we were there. That's fantastic. My next question, I, this is just a fun one. I want to ask our guests when we do interview them. So what team do you support in soccer? Great question. Um, I like Barcelona a lot. Um, I kind of, my heyday was in the heyday of Barcelona most recently yeah. uh, with Sierra, et cetera. Yeah. And they were just a work of art. Yeah. If yeah. you've ever walked, <laughs> you're like, mm -hmm. I mean, a work of art. It was you hard to dislike that. Too. You're looking at something beautiful. And it's a masterpiece. You walk into camp now and you watch them play or mm -hmm. watch them play on TV, it was a masterpiece, yeah. a work of art. It was often like watching the final evolution of Johan Cruyff's Netherlands teams from the 70s and yeah. seeing like this, like the, the brilliance of this high intensity, high attacking football that Frank Reichardt initiated and then Guardiola was able to perfect with those players. It was, yeah, I, it was very difficult to dislike the play, the play style of that team. Yeah, and I think you mentioned uh, Johan Cruyff, right? Yeah. I mean, he's the architect of that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think people sometimes forget his influence, right? Yep. Although he was Dutch, right. I mean, he architected the whole Barcelona way, right? Yeah. This is Barcelona. He was why I wore number 14 when I played. <laughs> he was always my favorite player. <laughs> yeah, Legend, brilliant soccer mind, you know. Um, and people all over the world play the, the Rondo game, right? right? The 5v2 keep away game yeah. that he invented. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a famous quote that Cruyff has, and he says that, I'm going to mess up the quote exactly, <laughs> but he's like, the Rondo has all of soccer except for finishing. So right. everything you ever need to learn about soccer, you can learn in the Rondo minus finishing. That's right? really and good. you're like, that's why they invented it and created yeah. it. And it's this tiki-taka Pass, 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 you know? But you're learning how to defend. You're learning how to move the ball, change your angle. You're learning all the things. Short passing. Um, so everything that needs to be known about soccer can be learned in the rondo, except for finishing. That's a good one. I need to remember that. Because I'm coaching um, at our, my son, my, my, we go to a Christian school. I'll be coaching the high school team in the fall there. That'll be a good one to remember. That's right. Um, that's excellent. So Barcelona's having a great year. They're tearing up La Liga, man. 
Yeah, and uh, a couple of young guys are super exciting right now. Yeah. You know, Gabi and, and Pedri. And their, defense, their defense is outstanding, too. They've only given up, like, nine goals all season in La Liga. Now, I've never been there. Um, this, is the, this is the funny thing about it, um, is that I've been to Spain before, but I've only been to Real Madrid Stadium. <laughs> and, the Bernabeu, uh, though, must be gorgeous. Oh, it was, it was a great experience, but just the rivalry, you know. Right. <laughs> the border, and here I am. Uh, and in Real Madrid Stadium and in the locker room tour and sitting on the bench and all those kind of things. So um, I've got to get to Barcelona. Yeah, absolutely. So my next question, Aaron, we mentioned Impact City FC, which I, and you mentioned Charlotte. So what, and I assume the Charlotte was where the idea for Impact City came from? Yeah, you're right. I think um, there was like a lot of great things about Charlotte. And then there were things that I was still dreaming about that could be done. Hmm. and could be done differently and how do we make iterations on that um, through my experiences right so I, I played uh, professionally for the Eagles for three three seasons wow um, and then I coached college soccer uh, for five different seasons while I was pastoring at the same time so I pastored for nine years and then at the end of that nine years then I'm like hey I feel like it's time to start Impact City right I feel like hmm. the Lord's leading us to do it and so we're building on that, but also doing things a little bit differently mm. um, that I think um, can have a really big kingdom impact. Yeah. So you tell me about Impact City. Are you guys just the Florida-based? Are you across the country? Or tell us a little bit about where you guys are at. Yeah. Um, our headquarters is in West Palm Beach, Florida. And our headquarters office serves um, five different U.S. locations currently. Fantastic. So... Um, St. Louis is our first location. Then we started one in South Florida, uh, kind of Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, Miami area. Um, and then a third one in Charleston, South Carolina. A fourth one in Orange County, California. And then a fifth location in Salt Lake City, Utah. And so that's currently uh, the landscape for us is across the country. And HQ office uh, desire is to serve uh, our staff in those countries and help them to make it as easy as possible uh, for them to love and serve people uh, through the game of soccer and point them to Jesus in their location. Speaking so, of that, so sorry, Aaron, go ahead. No, but please. Finish. No, that, that's the scope of Impact City currently, and obviously there's some different programs that we offer in each of those places. Fantastic. So, what separates Impact City FC from like another soccer club, like a Scott Gallagher type thing, or like AYSO? Tell us about what. Tell us about Impact City. Yeah. Um, Simply put, we're a mission-driven soccer club that develops leaders who serve their city and change the world. That's a great tagline. Um, have you ever heard of a mission-driven soccer club? Probably not. No. Because we didn't before we invented it, you know? Hmm. And when we think about the great commission that I already referenced, right, there is a mission that God is on. We want to join him in that. Um, and so we're a mission-driven soccer club that develops leaders. Uh, we realize that you know, 2% of high school players play collegiately and 2% of college players play professionally. Um, most of the people that we get to serve here and now uh, from ages 4 to 18 on the youth side of what we do, um, they're going to be husbands and wives and moms and yeah. dads and business owners and employees and pastors. teachers and pastors and firefighters. Yeah. And we want them to be leaders, um, servant leaders like Jesus. Ultimately, Jesus is the greatest leader of all time. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to learn how to be a leader, look at his, look at him. 
Yeah. Look at the way he lived. Look at the way he treated people. So we want to be a mission-driven soccer club that develops leaders who serve their city. So we give them some serving opportunities, but that's into the future. Serve with integrity. Serve with character. You know, like loving people well um, and with excellence. And mm-hmm. then change the world. And it could be through their vocation. It could be through a um, missions experience that we take them on. Right. You know? Right. Um, and mm. so that's why we specifically have service opportunities in every location that they can do here and now. We have missions experiences that they can do here and now to teach them how to start to give their life away um, and become a servant leader like Jesus was. That's fantastic. So it's important for Christians to understand how to compete because we are fighting against an enemy. So we, we, are, we have an opponent a clearly defined opponent, and we have a, a king, an all-conquering king, who is who is going to win. We can't understand victory apart from him. So why, why should Christians be involved in sports? Why shouldn't Christians be involved in sports? Right. I mean, if Colossians tells us that um, he created, Jesus created all things, that he's in all things, that he made all things for his glory— um, so why would sports not be included in that? Why would mm. sports not be created for his glory? Why would, you know, um, and so I think in a very real way, um, some people talk about the different spheres of society. You've got government, you've got entertainment, you've got, you know, education, right? So yeah. in that entertainment section is movies, media, sports, right? Sports entertainment's a massive industry right. uh, in the U.S. and around the world. And so why would we not um, engage? Right. Why would we not engage from a kingdom perspective, right? Um, why would we not be salt and light? Why would we not uh, lend influence in that space? Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that God's ways are the best ways. We believe uh, that the way that Jesus lived, uh, his lifestyle, all of those things are the best for humanity. Amen. And so we want athletes to live that way. And we want politicians to live that way. And we want filmmakers to live that way, right? Yes. And so we're just going into all the world, uh, which includes those spheres and those spaces. And you're right, like darkness wants to get in all of them. Mm-hmm. We have a very real enemy, according to Ephesians 6, you know, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Right. Um, you know, like, so there is a very real thing happening in the spirit realm, in the spirit mm-hmm. realm trying to win over and conquer and, you know, take dominion in yeah. all of those spaces. Right. So let's take dominion, right? Isn't right. that part of the deal in Genesis? I right. mean, I like think subdue over it, like rule over it. Like, let's go. Dude. Amen. I, I was thinking of, I think of first Corinthians 15, especially when Paul says that Christ, that he must reign until he has put all things under his feet. And Psalm 110 says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies, your footstool for your feet. And, when I think of sports, especially of this, think of all those spheres, like you said, but especially of sports, like that's just another thing that needs to come under the Lordship of Christ, that we need to say, we don't, I don't want flags to say Sundays are for the Chiefs. I want them to say Sundays are for the Lord. So yeah, that's what I think about and, all the time. No, you're right. And when I consider athletes, you know, what type of platform has God given them? A huge one. Right. And if we have the opportunity to come alongside some of them, which we do through chaplaincy mm-hmm. um, with some of our, our pro players, like part of our role is to help them leverage their influence. If they never hear about our chaplain, if people never hear about our chaplain, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like let's help 
the players who are in the spotlight with, you know, a hundred thousand followers on this, that, or the other thing, like use your platform for the glory of God, point people to Jesus, you know, Uh, put out Bible verses. And we've got some really great examples of, you know, people that have come alongside who are starting to do that. Um, And we don't, we don't need any credit for it. We don't want any credit for it, you know, Um, but they've got a platform and they've got a voice and they can use it for the kingdom, not just to talk about their stats or right. post game or, or whatever. That's fantastic. And that's one of the reasons we started this podcast as well. So that Christians did have an, an additional arena to share their um, viewpoint, to share the Christian worldview. So speaking of that, Aaron, why, why should Christians be excellent at sports? Not just excellent in things in life, but why should they, why should they not just be okay with getting pounded by secular athletics, but why should, why do we need to be great at this? Yeah. I mean, uh, Colossians three twenty three. whatever you do, yeah, do it for the glory of God, whether you eat or you drink, which are like little details, right? If you're eating yeah. food, that's a small detail. Why do I, you know, what do I need to do that for the glory of God? <laughs> right. And so, uh, drinking water, like what? It's a small thing. Um, but yeah, all things, man, Ex- excellence attracts at the end of the day. And when you do things really well, it doesn't matter what your faith background is. People want to know how you did it and why you do it. And so excellence attracts everything that we engage in. We want to do it to the best of our ability. If it's, Mm -hmm. if it's podcasting, if it's writing a blog, if Mm -hmm. it's uh, recording video and editing video, if it's uh, teaching your classroom as a teacher every single day, you know, like we got to do it to the best of our ability. And so, um, from the attractional side of things. Mm-hmm. I just think on the sports side, why not be great? Right. We, we have the ultimate reason. If we are to do it for God's glory, there should be no greater motivation. And so my motivation isn't for the applause of men, but the applause of God. Exactly. Right? I'm not living for that. You know, FCA headquartered out of Kansas city, right. Yep. Has made this audience of one phrase, very famous, right. I'm playing for an audience of one. Right. Did I give my very best to honor God. Did I use all the talents and gifts that he's put inside of me to the best of my ability? Did I manage them well? Did I train? Did I do my part? Right? Mm -hmm. And when we do things really well, God is glorified. Yes. Like, it's just the reality of it, even without proclamation of the gospel. Like, when you do something to the very best of your ability, it sheds light on the designer who created you. Mm -hmm. It says, look, he gave me the ability to do this thing magnificently. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause we, we need to make, we have these talents God gave us. Like some of us have talents for picking out a perfect through ball through the defense. Some of us have talents for nailing that perfect three pointer. If God gives us, I think of Harrison Butker who for the chiefs, who said, God gave me a talent to kick a football. And if I don't do it for his glory, I waste that talent. That's right. I think about things like that all the time when we, when we, especially at the Christian school I'm coaching at, when we coach our kids, be excellent at this because a people are watching and if you can't even do it right for the god of the universe why would they, you do it right for anyone else yeah and why does anybody else care then right exactly why why should they care well yeah. like at, at the end of the day you know the headlines on espn aren't usually about the rec league with the somebody who's really bad now there's cute stories and different things like that but like right headlines are headlines because people care about them and so when you're really good at something People just want to know about it, mm-hmm. right? And so it becomes attractional and it gives you that platform in a different way. Yes, amen. 
Um, I want last question I wanted to ask you, Aaron. How can we pray for you, your team, your organization? How can our listeners pray for you guys? Yeah, I think number one, um, I've been really big on this over the last like week and a half. The Lord has just been impressing on my heart, like, hey, you've got a lot going on. You can be busy and do a lot of tasks, but how much of it are you just praying through? Mm. Like God can do more in seconds than we can do in centuries, you know, is yes. one of those kind of church quotes, but mm-hmm. it's true. And so just kind of going, Hey, can we settle our hearts and pray mm. and ask God uh, to do more through impact city than we ever hoped, dreamed or imagined yeah. according to Ephesians three twenty, Right. Yeah. And so, um, one is pray, pray that, um, those that we serve, that hearts would be open. Mm-hmm. We know the parable of the sower is real yes Uh, some seeds fall on good soil and some get snatched away and you know all the different things yeah Um, but want it to fall on good soil so we want hearts to be ready Um, when we step out on the field that hearts would be ready to receive the word of god would be number one number two there is an attractional side to it right so the more people that god brings to the field for us the more that we can reach and so we're just praying for more people to know about what we're doing and have a desire to jump in um and then three we're always kind of scaling and growing and, and ministry takes money and you know, yes. all of those things. And so we're just providing for the right praying for the right provision, the right people to partner with us on the financial side. Mm-hmm. Um, our model is, um, part fundraising and part what we produce, you know, so it's more of what we produce than what we fundraise, but the fundraising matters. And so we've got a few projects coming up over the next three years that are really big and Kansas city, hopefully. Hopefully, <laughs> we've been mulling around and talking, and uh, you're not the only person in Kansas City that has said similar things. So, no, there's there's new locations, but then there's going deeper where you're at, and yeah. how do we make ministry more fruitful mm-hmm. in the places that we're already at? So there's expansion, yes. You know, there's ministry fruitfulness. There's what does it look like to get a facility of your own? Yeah, you know, a training yeah. facility of your own, which is a big. It's a big order, you know, um, internationally, we've been serving in a few places and training people in soccer ministry. And they're saying, we want more, we want to do this ongoing. Can we be impact city, you know? And so it's one thing to go and train people how to do it. It's another thing to say, Hey, we're going to stick a flag in the ground and be here in it forever, you know, until Jesus returns. Right. So we're praying through some of those bigger things. We don't have anything internationally, but we're praying through that. Um, it's a big opportunity. We're praying through, you know, in St. Louis, we're, we need more space, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, is now the right time to try to engage in finding land and developing a training facility that we can train people for ministry and do all of our current programming out of there, you right. know? So lots of things to be praying for. Um, we got to have the right people for that, mm. but I really appreciate that question. Yeah. Because there always are needs when you try to do something worthwhile for the kingdom, push back darkness in a sphere or a space where the enemy seems to have a foothold, mm-hmm. you know, there's always a challenge. Right. And you're, the good thing about your battlefield is that not only is it feasible, like it can be won, but it is strategic. Like we want people, people want to play sports. So it's something they can come to and they will hear a great, they'll get the right worldview. They'll get the right lens to view it through and they'll get to play the game they love at the same time. Right. We say that people come for what they want, but we give them what they need, wow. uh, Amen. which their heart and their soul don't always know what they need, but you know, 
God does. Spiritual need is there. Yes. I'm reminded of a quote by um, Martin Luther. He said um, one time that he had so much to do in the morning. He had so much to do that day that he would spend the first three hours of his day praying. Yeah, so good. I was thinking about that while you were talking. I feel that. Yeah, absolutely. Aaron, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, get to know you better, get to know your organization. I'm really grateful for your time. I know you're a busy guy, but thank you so much. No, Ross, thanks so much. And um, yeah, for everybody out there listening, impactcityfc.com. Stop on by, say hello, send us a note. Uh, we'd love to stay in the conversation. Yeah, I'll include um, I'll include links for everything in the show notes as well. And uh, Aaron, it's been an absolute pr- pleasure. My brother, hope you guys are continue to grow. Hope you continue to grow in your love for the Lord and blessings to you and your family and your organization. Man, you too, brother. Thanks Thank so you. Much. You take care.